and touch us and speak to us and change us. And we give you all the glory. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to John's Gospel, chapter 4. John's Gospel, chapter 4. We'll be reading from the New King James Version this morning. And we want to talk about the healing of the nobleman's son. The healing of the nobleman's son. And hopefully this morning, if... If you have a special need, if you have a need an answer, need a breakthrough, if you need a special touch from God, this story will encourage you as you pursue that touch that you need and the answer that you need. John's Gospel, chapter 4. Let's begin by looking at verse 46. The Bible says, So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman, a royal official, whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and begged him, implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never, you will no no means believe. And the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said, verse 50, Go your way. Your son lives. And so the man believed the word. I like how the NIV says, took Jesus at his word. I like that. you got to just take Jesus at his word. Amen? So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke and went on his way. As he was now going down, his servants met him and said to him, Your son lives. And he inquired of them the hour that he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. And so the father knew it was that exact time, the same hour, in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. Talk about the healing of the nobleman's son. We can glean many, many truths from this powerful little story. For instance, we see Jesus here working a miracle instantaneously and also at a great distance. Don't ever limit God. Don't limit His power. Don't limit His procedure because you serve a great God and nothing is too hard for your God. We'll see in this story how this nobleman, this Roman official, probably someone from Herod's court, well, how his experience kind of expresses and reveals to us various stages of faith. Stages of faith. The kind of growing faith each one of us should be reaching for or walking in. He starts out with a crisis faith and then he meets Jesus and it becomes a confident faith. And from a confident faith, it's a confirmed faith when he receives the miracle that he needs. But lastly, his confirmed faith becomes a contagious faith. For at the end of the story, not as just the son healed, but his entire family believes and gets saved. Amen. We look in this story, we'll see that for another example that neither rank nor riches we're able to exempt this nobleman from the common trials and battles of life. His royalty was impotent in the face of the son's illness. He was powerless to save him. Yes, he had wealth. He had um, power connections. He had contacts. He could get many things done in the natural, but not this. You know, some things can only come through heaven. Some things can only come from the hand of God. And lastly, we could observe and hopefully have our faith stirred by this. This same Jesus 
that the nobleman met is here today to meet you and to meet me. This same Jesus that ministered thousands of years ago is here today by His Spirit, and He's doing today what He did 2,000 years ago. And if we'll seek Him like this nobleman sought Him, we can receive just like He received. We need to give God a good praise because the Jesus we serve is a very present Savior. How did the psalmist say it? He's a very present help in time of trouble. He's not a historical figure of yesteryear. He's a right now God who is able to heal your body. He's able to fix that marriage. He's able to set you free from that thing that has its claws on you. What a God we serve. He's a good Good God, He's a faithful God, and He's a right now God. Can you say amen? You can come to Him and you can receive from Him. There is no distance too great and no dilemma is too hard. Jesus Christ is still your answer. Jesus Christ is still the I will of heaven who's still able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can ask or think. Let's begin to examine an anatomy of a miracle. An anatomy of a miracle. Number one, miracles start with a problem. See that in verse 46. But our problem, praise God, is God's opportunity. But again, miracles start with problems. I'll give you an example. A storm arose on the Sea of Galilee, and those professional fishermen were in fear of their lives. They thought they were going to drown. That's a problem. But then Jesus performed a miracle. Again, those same disciples, they didn't have food to feed some 5,000 men. That's a problem. But then Jesus stepped in, and He performed a miracle. Again, at a wedding feast when a family ran out of wine and there was a great social embarrassment. They had a problem. They had no answer till Jesus stepped in. And that problem became His opportunity to display His glory. And Jesus answered the call. We can go on and on through the Scripture. When Lazarus died, when the Israelites... They were trapped between the devil of Pharaoh and the deep blue sea when a widow was down to a very last bit of meal. You get the point. Can you see the point that the Bible teaches miracles start with problems? And this nobleman, he had a problem. He had a son that was dying and he couldn't help him. He had nothing he could do to help him. All his riches, all his friends, all his connections. And he was totally unable to help his child in his point of need. Miracles start with problems. This nobleman had a problem. His son is dying. But yet, this is the setting that Jesus uses to develop the nobleman's faith and release the power of God into his life. Listen, that problem is an opportunity for God to display His glory in your life. That sickness is not unto death, but you shall live and you will declare the glory of God. That sickness is not unto death. It shall not have the last word, for your Savior has a better word for you today. And if you believe Him, and you'll respond to Him, He'll work in that situation, and you will glorify His name for years and years to come about the power and the might of your Savior and your King. Can you say amen? I know it's early, but I'm feeling this, brother. Oh, my Lord, my Lord. I'm tired of playing games. I'm tired of Assembly of God churches. We talk about miracles and never see any. We talk about full gospel. We only believe half the book when it comes down to it. I'm here today to say you can run again. You can stretch forth that arm. You can see in that day. Oh, come on, shout amen. I'm trying to say either he's alive or he's not. Either Jesus is all he said he was and we need to go back and do something else. Give me a praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. All right. I know it's nine, but you're getting better now. We're waking everyone up. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory. 
miracle. Start with a problem. But that problem is God's opportunity. It's His opportunity. This man had a great problem. There was a desperate need. And friend, needs, needs confront every human being. You might have a problem. You might be going through a great trial. You might have your back against the wall. But listen, believer, you might be a child of God who loves God. And you might have your back against the wall. You might have gotten a bad report from the doctor. But don't you ever forget, that does not mean that God has forgotten you. That does not mean that He has stopped loving you. It doesn't mean that you're no longer precious to Him, for you are precious to God. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 34, many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's you. You're the righteous. You're the one that loves the Lord. You're the one that's received Jesus. The Bible says many are the afflictions or troubles of the righteous, but the Lord, the Lord, the living God delivers us out of them all, folks. Out of them all. There is no limitation on the power of God. He can do whatever He desires to do. And He can work in your life that good work. Oh, friend, the Bible is clear. Troubles will come, but the Lord is the deliverer of His people, and He will bring us through every time. Somebody say every time. Every time. I know some are getting old here. How about one more time? How about one more time? I know some of you are getting close to that finish line, but finish strong, finish in faith. Can you say amen? Everybody, It's appointed for a man one time to die. Everyone's going to die if that rapture don't hit us. But i got news for you. If you're a child of God, you can finish strong. You've been living strong. You can finish strong. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory be to God forevermore. My God, hallelujah. He's a wonderful Savior. So miracles start with problems. He had a problem. But problems present opportunities. I believe it was Andre Crouch that wrote a song many, many years ago called Through It All. Through It All. I love this one line. If I never had a problem, how would I know my God could solve them? How would I know what faith in His Word could do? But through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Problems present opportunities to let God be God in your life. To let God show Himself strong on your behalf. To allow the Lord to prove Himself faithful to His dear one. And that is you. Listen, that problem is an opportunity for you to grow in God. It's an opportunity for you to believe God. It's an opportunity for you to watch Him work in your life. When we're facing a problem, you and I must make the conscious choice. We're going to trust God. We must choose to trust God. We must choose to obey God. We must choose to lean on His strength and not our own human understanding. As the prophet said, I will trust and not be afraid. We make a conscious choice when we're confronted with the challenges of life. We can get bitter. We can complain. We can give in to fear. Or we can make up our mind. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to believe His good promise. I'm going to stand holding Jesus tight and say, Lord, You brought me through other things. I know You're going to bring me through this. Somebody say amen. We must choose faith over fear. We must choose spiritual fight over flight. We must choose to believe and not doubt. We must choose to hope and not give in to despair. We must choose to cast our burden upon His mighty shoulders and to stand confidently upon His unchanging Word. Problems 
present opportunities for us to grow and for God to be glorified. Let's look how this story reveals essentials to a growing faith. Every one of us ought to be striving for a growing faith. Verse 47, the Bible says he heard of Jesus. This nobleman heard of Jesus. Have you heard? I want you to hear about a good, good, wonderful Savior. His name is Jesus. He loved you and went to the cross and died for you. He knew all about you, but He chose to shed His blood for you. I want you to hear the good news of Jesus. There's nothing better than that. Amen? This nobleman heard of Jesus. He heard about a man called Jesus, a prophet mighty in word and in deed. He healed the sick. He cleansed the leper. He even raised the dead. He spoke to storms and they stopped. He gave orders to demons and to devils and to disease and they all disappeared. He was the one sent from God and He loved the unlovely and He received the rejected and He mended the brokenhearted. He brought the forgiveness and salvation of heaven into the lives of broken, hurting humanity. He heard about that wonderful Savior. Oh, somebody, I want you to hear Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. It's not just about religion. It's about receiving Jesus personally as your Savior, your Lord, and your King. He died so you could be forgiven. He died so you could go to heaven. But you've got to receive Him. You've got to come to Him. You've got to give your life to Him. Can we say amen together? This nobleman heard about Jesus. And from that hearing sprung a hope. From that hearing there sparked a faith. A thought. If he did it for others, maybe he'll do it for me. He didn't turn a deaf ear. He didn't consider the message too good to be true or not for him. Somebody, this good news is for you. Somebody, this good news is for you. This good news of salvation is for you. You can be saved. You can come to Christ. It doesn't matter what you've done or how far you've fallen. The arms of God's grace are open to you. You can come and receive the salvation of the Lord. It's for you. This message of salvation. This message of sanctification. It's for you. You can overcome bad habits. You can be transformed by the power of God. You really can become a new creature by the Spirit of God that dwelleth within you. It's for you. Divine healing. It's for today. And it's for you. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's for today. And it's for you. You can receive power to live this life as more than a conqueror. He heard. And the Bible teaches us the necessity of hearing. Back in Romans 10 and 14, Paul asked the question, and how can anyone believe unless they hear? But how can they hear if we don't tell them? You can't believe what you haven't heard. You can't hear it if someone doesn't tell you. This man heard of Jesus, but then he came to Jesus. It's so important that we allow people to hear. It's so important that we use every opportunity to spread the gospel, to share the gospel, that men might hear, that faith might come alive in their hearts, that that seed of hope might come alive in their lives. He heard, he came. You see, when faith is created in the heart by the Word of God, there will be a movement towards Christ. Not everyone responds to that, but that's how it works. You see, there has to be more than hearing. Hearing alone is not enough. It's just a starting point. There must be a response. There must be an action. 
So again, he came to Jesus. That faith created a, a movement towards Christ. You see, a person doesn't just drift into salvation. A person doesn't just kind of stumble in to a relationship with Christ. In fact, when Jesus preached, he said to some, come unto me. They heard it, many said, respond, now come unto me. To others, he, he said to them, follow me. Follow me. Some who tended to maybe hesitate, vacillate, he urged them to strive or press to enter into that straight gate. These are all words that Jesus used that are that are they're verbs, they're action words. They're calling people to a vigorous response. Let me ask you, have you responded to what you've heard? Have you responded to what you've heard? Have you responded and received Christ for salvation? Have you responded and given your life to Christ for service and involvement in His church? Have you believed the present promise that He has for you in your present situation? Are you believing the promise? Are you standing on that Word? Are you expecting that miracle? Oh, Jesus. And now once a person hears and he begins to respond, then there's often a resistance and other things that will try to keep him from a full response. You see, there's a cost to coming, to following and receiving Christ. There's a cost to advancing in God. That's why some make it so far they just kind of settle. But others keep going from faith to faith and glory to glory until they see Him face to face. You see, this nobleman is facing a great trial. His son is dying. He's helpless to do anything about it. He heard, and now he begins to respond. But in order to respond, let's think about this. He had to leave his son. You know, sometimes we have to leave things to get God's best. Sometimes we have to leave things to get God's best. Then he has to travel some 20 miles just to reach Jesus. He had to seek out to Jesus. You see, there's an effort to faith. Faith is not a complacent thing. Faith is not a stagnant thing. Faith presses. Faith reaches. There's an action to faith. There's a response in faith. Some men tore through a roof. One little woman pressed through a crowd. But when a person hears the good news, when a person hears the promise, and faith is stirred, it can die or we can respond and pursue and reach out to receive that miracle. He had to swallow his pride. Remember, he was a nobleman. He was part of Herod's royal court. He had to swallow his pride. It was a humbling thing to go to this Jewish self-proclaimed prophet and miracle worker. The Bible's clear to all of us. We have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that He might lift us up in due time. We have to humble ourselves and receive Christ in our lives. We have to humble ourselves and say, Yes, Jesus, I'll give you my life and I'll serve you. We've got to humble ourselves. And say, Lord, even though things don't look it on the outward, I choose to believe your promise and I choose to trust you to bring me through this situation. This man did not let his high position keep him from Jesus. Um, The custom of the day wouldn't keep him or stop him from bringing his need to Jesus. His action could cause a sensation in his peer group. His action might cause a sensation in his family. But he didn't care what people had to think. My friend, listen, don't let anything or anybody keep you from Jesus. Don't let other people's opinions or prejudices keep you from walking with Jesus. 
He refused to allow personal pride. He refused to allow the fear of man to keep him from coming to and obeying the Lord Jesus. He had to refuse to be discouraged. When he finally gets there again, Jesus says something to him that kind of challenges his faith. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you won't believe. That that could have insulted him. Some are so overly sensitive to things. The devil knocks you off the course so easily. Just one little thing and you lose it. One little thing and you backslide for a month and a half. I'm just saying, he could have lost it there. You know, Jesus has a way of testing the sincerity of people. And a person has to be earnest and sincere before the help of Christ will really come to him. How often I can remember Brother Shambach trying to help people to receive their miracle, trying to help people to press in and um, touch God and really receive what they came for, urging them to respond, urging them, don't give up, don't quit. And I can hear it now. I can hear him saying to those crowds now, how bad do you want this thing? Because you've got to want it bad enough to overcome some things and leave some things behind and put up with some people's comments that don't have your best spiritual interest in mind. If this man turns away irritable because of what Jesus said, or if he's too proud to accept Jesus' gentle rebuke, end of the story. If he had given up or refused to obey Jesus' command, there's no miracle. There's no healing of the son. There's no saving of a family. But this nobleman was developing a noble faith. A faith that can withstand some resistance. A faith that can take some negativity. Our faith's got to be strong enough to deal with the criticisms and the foolishness of men. Some of them even within the church. Say amen, somebody. We've got to be able, we can't be so weak and so tender that we get blown off our game every time something minor happens. There has to be a stronger, steadier, sturdier faith. They can weather those things and stand firm in the face of those things. This nobleman didn't give up. Instead, he went from hearing to coming to asking to imploring earnestly. And Abi says he begged. He wouldn't be turned away. His faith was growing. It wasn't shrinking. But listen, he reaches this point. He, he weathers that storm. He's still before the Lord. But another test is coming. Sure enough, my friend, there's always another test. Can somebody say amen? I told my wife the other day, I think I'm at Tombstone. I'm just going to have it. There's always something. It's always something. There's always something. Amen. I mean, you want a, a model for There's always something. Amen. You fight one battle, shout a little bit, because the next one's coming. Amen. Take that in between time. It's usually not too long before the next giant shows up. So just enjoy this side of eternity. It's called a fight of faith, not a waltz of faith. Anybody? And right, the Bible says it's a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. This is not a waltz or a water slide. Glory be to God. Miracles start with a problem. If you've got a problem, then you're a candidate for a miracle. Now, problems present opportunities. We saw that all throughout Scripture. Opportunities for you and I to trust God. Opportunities for you and I to grow in God. Opportunities to watch God be God. Number three, opportunities demand decisions. What will you do with what you hear? What will you do with what you know? There was a decision to make. Let me read this for you to catch us up. We're going to verse 48. The nobleman gets there. Jesus, please heal my son. He's at the point of death. 
And Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Now, I could have got turned off by that. Could have said, oh, I'm going home. I'm not going to talk to you again. But instead he stood, he weathered it, and the nobleman said, Sir, please come down before he dies. And then Jesus said these words in verse 50, and there's a challenge to his faith. He says, Go your way, your son lives. He's not predicting he shall live, he's declaring he's well. As he spoke that word to create everything you and I see, he was speaking the word that was bringing healing to that boy. Now look at this nobleman, how he responded. So the man believed the word and went his way. He believed the word Jesus spoke. Again, the NIV says it. He took Jesus at his word. Man, I like that. That's a good sermon title. Amen. Just take Jesus at his word. All right. Don't listen to this one. Don't listen to that one. Just take Jesus at his word. He's not a man that he'll ever lie. He's not the son of man that he ever changes his mind. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass so you can trust it. You can believe it. You can stand upon it. Whatever he says, just do it. Took Jesus at his word. (laughs) He had a decision to make. He came, he heard, he asked. Now would he believe? Would he obey? Though this man was in a hard, desperate place, he's in tears, pleading for his son that's dying. The Lord would not spare him. This challenge to his faith. Sometimes we like to be coddled. But you watch how Jesus dealt with people. Even in the midst of things, He was trying to develop them. He was trying to deepen them. He was trying to mature them. He did it to one Canaanite woman. Remember her? She showed up and He said, ha, ha, I didn't come for you. <laughs> he said, my, my means, I got children to take care of. And remember the children's bread? So Jesus deals. We got a wrong concept. We don't read our Bibles enough to understand how Jesus works with men. Someone would have thought, boy, that's not being very kind after all this man did. But Jesus always knows what he's doing. Amen? Jesus always knows what he's doing. We miss it, but he never misses it. So I want you to see here. He's attempting to mature him and stretch him and develop him and really test him. He has to believe first, then the touch of healing will come upon his son. Not the other way around. We like it the other way around, don't we? If I can just see it, then I'll believe it. That's not how the Bible works. He's got to believe and then obey. Then you'll see the answer of God. You see, at first it seems like he would not be satisfied until, unless Jesus came with him all the way home personally. But if he returns without Jesus and his son is still dying, he left the only one that could help him some 20 miles away. Now, if he refuses Jesus' direction to return home, he's just refused. Now he's starting to fight with the only one that can help him. The development of faith. He heard. He came. He asked. But now he must believe. And he must obey. You might be at a point in your situation. You know what the Bible says? You've brought the need to the Lord. Now it's time to believe and obey. And watch God work his wonders. The lesson is simply this. The only way the conviction of faith, 
becomes a confirmed faith is by the obedience of faith. Verse 50 again, that's a powerful verse. Go thy way, thy son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken to him and went his way. Think of John 14, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. It's very, very, very important that we be a people that believe. You know, we can't be saved if we don't believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, if we want prayers answered, Jesus said, and when you pray, believe that you have received and you'll get it. There's belief has to be in our faith. When we're fighting resistance and opposition, I think of Jairus' daughter, and they showed up and said, don't bother the teacher anymore. She's dead. And Jesus turned and said, fear not, just believe. Only believe, only believe. All things are possible. Just believe in He who can do it all. And His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. We got time for a story? Sure we do. I want you to know how important it is believing. Believing, believing, believing. There was a certain mischievous deacon. You know, deacons can be mischievous. Yes, they can. Certain mischievous deacon. He was waiting in the hallway in between Sunday school and the main service. And he saw a little girl coming out of her, her preschool class. And under her arm, she had her Sunday school manual, a big picture of Jonah and the big fish. Jonah and the whale. And so he, she was waiting for dad and mom to get her going to service. You know, that in between time. And so he goes down and he kneels by her and he says, hey, what do you got in your hand? She says, this is my Sunday school book. We're studying Jonah and the whale. And he looked. He said, do you really believe that story? She says, why, of course I believe it. And mischievous deacon said, you really believe a man can be swallowed up by a big fish, stay inside him all the time and come out again? She said, yes, I do. The story's in the Bible, and we talked about it in Sunday school. Well, then that deacon, he asked, can you prove to me the story's true? And she thought, little girl, she thought for a moment, then she said, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah. And finally that deacon said, well, what if Jonah's not in heaven? And that little girl got frustrated by that point. She put her hand on her hip and turned his head. Then you can ask him. Because you're not believing, you're not going. Can you say amen? you got to believe. He died for your sins. You gotta believe. He was risen from the grave. You gotta believe. He's the only way of salvation. And that blood was shed that you might be forgiven and be made right with God. You gotta believe. You gotta believe. Hallelujah. But here's this nobleman. He's believing. And you know, we, we, we have times when faith is moving and when the presence of God is strong and we respond. And then when we leave a service or we leave that prayer time, we've got to walk it out. And sometimes walking it out is a whole fresh battle, is it not? I think about it. What a journey. It must have been 20 miles back home. Every devil in Galilee must have been saying, you're crazy. Why did you leave him? You should have implored him to come. You should have given him a, the best donkey you have and bring the healer to your son after all. You've got all the money you could think of. Do what you got to do. Do a favor. Do whatever. But get him there. What's wrong with you? But Jesus said, go thy way. He believed. Every, every step he took, you could hear them doubts. What are you going to find when you get home? What do you think is going to be there when you get home? It had to be hard to turn away and go home with only... 
the assurance of the word of Jesus to comfort him and keep him going. He didn't have a sign. He didn't go have no prayer cloth. All he had was the word of the Lord. He's healed. Go thy way. Whew. He had faith enough to turn and walk some 20 miles with nothing but the assurance to comfort his heart. Oh God, give us such faith this morning. Give us faith in the power of Jesus. Give us faith in the promises of Jesus. Give us faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The example of this nobleman, in it we have the essence of faith. We believe that what Jesus says is true, and believing we obey, and in obeying we receive. You see, Jesus was testing the sincerity of the man's faith. Because only by testing our faith can the Lord develop our faith, and He wants to develop our faith. So miracles start with problems. Problems present opportunities. Opportunities demand decisions. What will you do? What will you believe? How will you respond with what you've heard and what you know? Number four, decisions determine our consequences. We make our decisions and then our decisions make us. Don't ever forget that. He believed, he obeyed. In his believing of Christ's words, his obeying of Christ's commands, he received. His son was healed. But that's not all. Not only do decisions determine our consequences, consequences change lives. For when he gets home and he tells the story and they see the son healed at that exact time, not only was the son healed, but the entire family was saved. Lord, give us a contagious faith that affects our world. Amen? Mm. All right, we've got to close and have our time of prayer. Believer, if you're facing a problem today, believe the word that God has spoken to you, that God is speaking to you. And obey the word that God is speaking to your heart. Believe that word. Obey that word. And then watch God work His wonders in your life. We close in prayer. The most important thing is the soul. If you're listening today and you've not believed in Jesus Christ, if you've not come to Him as your Savior and your Lord, do so today. It's not enough just knowing. It's not enough just hearing. You must respond to Christ. You must give Him your life and begin to serve Him and follow Him. Or maybe you're here today and say, you drifted. Maybe you're used to walk tight with God and you've allowed things to get in there that have cluttered things up and you're kind of not the person you used to be and you're kind of drifting off the path you know is God's best path for you. Well, today is your day to make things right. Today is your day to make a fresh choice and a fresh decision to serve the Lord and give Him first place in your life. Do so today. Make a fresh altar. Say, Jesus, I might have drifted. I might have been a bit complacent lately, but I make a fresh devotion to You from this moment on. Give me a fresh start. I'm going to put You first place and I'm going to give You my very best and start walking like I once walked. Now for the rest of us, let's believe the promise that God has for our situation. Let's trust the Lord to work like only He can work. And let's act out our faith. Let's act out our faith. Let's ask God to touch us as we close.
Let's ask God to move in our situations. Whatever you're going through, whether you need a touch in your body, whether you need God's hand to be released in your situation, it could be your your physical body, your family, your finances. There might just be um, a job situation. Whatever it is, nothing's too hard. No distance is too great. He's got a word for us to believe. He's got a command for us to obey. He's got a record that we should trust. Why don't we stand and we'll close in prayer. Now, if you need a touch from God, you reach up that hand and you believe God to touch you right where you're at. If you're watching at home, just believe God to touch you right on that couch, right on that easy boy recliner. The Holy Ghost is going to touch you and rip that thing out of your lung and set you free by the glory of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, let mountains of opposition be removed as Your people believe Your Word and respond to Your command. Father, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, release right now the working of Your mighty power. Father God, touch that life, touch that life. The doctors don't have a lot of options, but Lord Jesus, You are able. Oh God, release Your healing power. Touch those that are ill. Heal them by Your power, by Your glory. In the name of Jesus. Father God, give clear thinking to those that are befuddled, to those that are confused. To those that just don't know what to do, begin to clear away the cobwebs and the cloudiness. Give them a clear thinking to know what path to take and know how to respond to their situation. Father, in the name of Jesus, show yourself strong and faithful on behalf of those who love you. On behalf of those who choose right now to trust you and believe you and obey you. Upon every family, every marriage, every individual, may the hand of Your amazing grace be extended and the working of Your Spirit be released in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.